What is the dumbest thing that you've ever done for a laugh? Oh, oh my no. God. You know yours? Yeah, when I was in the military, I ate a dirty dish rag for time. Oh <laughs> like, like that we used to clear, clean a beer pong table for like a year and a half. Never washed. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Humans, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes with your favorite social media creators to tell you where they came from, how they got here, and where they're headed next. Let's go. On today's episode, our guests are Corey and Sean, the stars of the popular YouTube series Number Six with Cheese, where they put a hilarious spin on traditional fast food reviews. First of all, thanks for being on the show, guys. Uh, would you mind telling us a bit about your backgrounds and how this all came together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me, so this is Sean. Um, so for me, for like the beginning of everything, I've kind of Corey and I have very different paths in kind of how we came to where we are today doing like YouTube stuff. I've always been kind of an online web presence, I guess. Kind of right after college, I started doing online videos for companies through like just a bunch of different outlets, like freelancing, trying to basically teach myself video and infusing comedy into it. So I started working for a company called IWearYourShirt.com, which was making basically a piece of content for a different company every single day. And I have, you know, kind of a journalism background uh, where I got a degree from Michigan State University. And so I always kind of wanted to infuse like comedy and journalism and just like good relationships, I guess, like into web content. Mm -hmm. So I was never really a big live comedy guy in the beginning. Cool. Yeah, for me, I kind of just, I've always been into comedy since as long as I can remember. And I started writing in like high school, and I just took the, kind of a long route to get to, I guess, like taking it a little bit more seriously. I, cause I felt as though I needed a like strong backup plan. So out of high school, I went to the military to pay for college, and through that time, I kind of had enough money to like buy a camera and figured out how to edit video and started writing and editing my own videos. And then after that, I went to school for electrical engineering just to have that whole backup plan. And through that whole period, I was still writing and filming and uh, just continuing on with that. And then once I graduated, I just moved out here to Chicago just to kind of fully, what, 100% dive into comedy and just, you know, uh, and then up until just taking classes where I met Sean at through Second City and whatnot. It's kind of how I got, I guess, up to this point. Yeah. Uh, Corey, I got to ask, when you were um, in the Air Force, is what was that like trying to continue your life of comedy through that time period in your life? Did it uh, allow for any kind of unique developments or did you kind of just stuff it all down inside yourself for a couple of years? Um, yeah, honestly, it was it was a lot easier than you think. It was easier than it was in college just because uh, just had a lot more people who were like super supportive of like messing around and having fun and the military was just kind of like having a nine to five. I just worked seven thirty to four thirty, and so I and I had actual money to spend, you know, because I'm getting paid or you know whatever. And so I don't know. It was just, it was it was easier than you would think because we just a bunch of dudes who don't or away from their friends and family who all live in a dorm. So it's super easy to be like, hey, I wrote this stupid thing. You guys want to try to film this with me? And everybody would be so down. We're in college. It's a lot more difficult. Where I'd be like, hey guys, and just a lot of people just like. I don't know, would rather drink and, like, had their own, like, trying to hook up with girls and stuff. Or, like, maybe that's what it is. Maybe there was less 
girls to hang out with, <laughs> up with in the military, so people were down to just kick it more. That so, that so, might be the secret. So much more in the military than I did in college. Wouldn't think that at all either. No, not at all. Did it? Uh, you never found yourself getting into trouble in that time from the comedy. No, not really. I also like. I wasn't really like being in the mill. I wasn't like an infantry guy. I did computer networking, so it's like nerd stuff. Total Monday through Friday, like all every three day weekend you can imagine. I was living in Germany, just like. They're trying to join in on the podcast, I think. I know. They really want to be a part of this, which I can understand. Yeah, so. I, I can't blame them one bit. <laughs> Sorry, it's, I just moved here like three days ago, so I didn't know that's what it sounds like when the mail comes in. <laughs> it sounded like something like a Wolverine scratching at my door. Huh? What the hell is that? <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> um, so let's jump ahead now to you guys meeting here in Chicago. And at what point you decided like, hey, let's get together and start working on a YouTube series. Yeah, this story is so fun because Corey and I kind of met in level one of the conservatory at Second City. So we auditioned, we got in and we didn't know each other at all. And we had like seen each other perform and stuff. But we didn't really have, you know, like a friendship of any kind. Day one, Corey, like, looks at me during our first break of class, because we have, like, three-hour classes, and goes, what'd you say? You're like, I know you. I saw you perform. You're the only good one in your show, and uh, I remember you, and you were really funny. And I was like, oh, wow, because, like, it's just one of those things in this comedy community where people don't really compliment each other. It's so competitive, and you really start to meet people who genuinely just really like creating good stuff. And so Corey and I, really a couple months in, he had this idea to film a audition video for an MTV reality show because they were looking for like two good buddies that could do these like dares on camera. Mm-hmm. So we got together in my apartment, had the camera, and filmed that. And you know, never really heard anything big on that. But we just then we just started making videos for ourselves. So we were in Second City together, but we kind of cared way more about creating everything outside of that at the time. Um, and then just, you know, our personalities just meshed way more than most people that Plus, we that right when you moved. That whole, yeah. It was just perfect timing. It was good timing. Just started taking class together at the same time that he, just by circumstance, moved like a half a mile from your house. Yeah, and was like, oh, I don't know anybody in this area. So, and we were just kicking it all the time. Yeah, and we're hanging out. out. And we went, we started going to the gym together. We were just like our, because our, uh, Corey's like done at work at 1230, and then I'm free because I work for myself. So we were, he was like the only person that was always available. So we were constantly just working together and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So why fast food then from there? <laughs> this is, I mean, this was a funny, I told Corey, I go, dude, do you realize that there are people on YouTube doing fast food reviews and getting hundreds of thousands of views? And he goes, no, shut the hell up. No, they're not. <laughs> Showed him one. And I'm like, what if we do these new Mac and Cheetos for Burger King? And we just like kind of have a thing and whatever. If, like Corey, you had no clue that there's this whole ecosystem of so-called mukbang videos on YouTube, the term mukbang comes from Korea, where the trend emerged around 2010. Essentially, it is a personality who eats a bunch of food in front of the camera while talking to their audience. Fast food review accounts have popped up as a genre of this larger phenomenon. These accounts run the gamut from big, boisterous, funny guys like Dame Drops, who has over 700,000 followers, 
all the way to Report of the Week, a skinny-suited, pseudo-sleuthy teenage New Yorker with a major 1940s newsroom vibe. He's got over 200,000 followers. And, yeah, so that was nine months ago, and now we've done, like, 100 videos. So it's just, it never was supposed to be what it is right now. Like, we would have, I wanted to do more sketch, like, write and film sketch. And I'm like, dude, let's make it really cinematic and and use drone footage and just make it look it's kind of satirical in itself because it's way too much work to review <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like we know that but it's so natural yeah it's but so satirical our, our audience like a lot of them know that and then a lot of the audience genuinely wants it to be a food review like that was a great review guys and we're like we don't know what we're talking about we don't have an ounce of culinary experience <laughs> <laughs> So it's just, it's like hilarious that it is what it is now. And like the videos, like per month, we're getting like 140,000 views across all the videos. And it's just, it's just insane. Yeah, that is insane. Uh, what was the, the very beginning? Like, I mean, your first video you uploaded, how did you promote it? And at what point did you start to see some traction there? Right away. Yeah. It was, and we didn't really promote it. It was so crazy. I mean, what our first video got like a couple like a thousand views the first day and I, whatever it was, but yeah, we put it on my, my like personal YouTube page. Right, which that helped a lot. I had 3,000 subscribers on that that I had built over years of just kind of vlogging and doing whatever. We put it on there. People loved Corey. They were like, do more of these. I want to see you guys review this thing next. And we're like, oh, maybe we'll string together a season of this and do we like... Didn't, we didn't really put much thought it because it was like another couple weeks before we did another one. Yeah, that's true. We really only kind of did it, I think, because it got... So much more views than we expected. Yeah, that it was like, oh, we really got to take advantage of this. I had no clue. Right. I don't know how much of an idea you had that that niche was so like no. viable for. I guess for being semi-successful with it or whatever. For sure, but like, and to ask, answer your question, like we only put it maybe on our Facebook pages, but YouTube picked it up and it just kind of bounced between that. Like mm-hmm. we we didn't really like put ad dollars into the link or any of that stuff. Right out of the gates. One of our first few videos, a major YouTuber, one of those guys who's got you know hundreds of thousands of followers, happened to do a food review video where he was making fun of food reviewers and put a compilation of all the top food reviewers from YouTube. And we made like happened to be on that list. And we had only been doing this for a couple months, but that one like got thirty thousand views. Yeah, and brought a lot of traction. Right yeah, away. yeah, that's crazy. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the production and editing because. You know, I've watched a bunch of you guys' videos over the last week, and it really is impressive the amount of work you can tell that goes into them. Um, could you detail just what that whole process looks like from start to finish, from the writing and then you know, editing, post-production, how long that takes for a single video? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's We've got it down now that we've done so many that we pretty much have a formula that works really well. Like We will film normally a couple days a week together and like it's really funny like we determine what we want to do we go like all right Corey says burger king's got a new sandwich and wendy's got a new uh set of fries whatever so Corey kind of brainchilds like most of the new stuff that comes out he it's his car he picks me up we go film for like what an hour per episode maybe there's no writing whatsoever it's all improv and um and then we just take that footage i shoot everything while we're filming and I take it back home and it, you know, takes anywhere from like two to six hours to put them together, depending on how crazy the amount of footage we have is. Mm-hmm. The only addition to that would be having, we just always strap the GoPro on top of the car to get that footage. And then Sean's got a drone Yeah, that we'll use as well for that. 
we, for our drone footage. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, we use four or five different cameras probably throughout, like, you know, a few episodes to use. Um, mm-hmm. And we just kind of, look whatever sparks our interest, you know, if, like, it's a time lapse of the time or it's a really nice day, we'll go fly the drone for 20 minutes and get some footage there. But they all kind of, we just found this formula that we just realized we can start doing three a week um, pretty seamlessly and still have, you know, our lives outside of that with what we're doing. So yeah. it's a balance. Are you worried uh, at three a week that the fast food industry might not be able to keep up with enough new menu items? I used to be. Yeah. But anything we put out as of late seems to do well. At this point, our little subscriber base is like, they, they love us. They're pretty intense. And yeah. so we'll do, we can do something that's not new. And they'll, they'll still gobble up views. One of our biggest viewed videos the last few weeks was doing a deep dish pizza from Luminati's here in Chicago. And that didn't, that's not new. That's been around forever. But people are starting to realize that people care more about whatever Corey and I are doing and bantering about. And we want to eventually kind of shift out of just being like doing fast food stuff. Like that's what we're trying to do more like personality driven stuff, food outside of just, you know, Wendy's and McDonald's and Burger King. And just kind of focusing more on like our yeah, branding us as two people who can just bullshit and have fun and people like that. And that's what we've realized our subscribers are asking for. Absolutely. On the the comedy front, I quickly noticed that you guys uh, are not exactly super PC, which uh, is (laughs) is good by me. But I'm sure you guys might take a little heat on that front. Uh, Could you talk about that? Maybe. I, I noticed you guys had a, a 420 special at White Castle oh, the other yeah. day. Oh, yeah. We did. Did we record? We did film that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because the only thing, like, we're not PC in the fact that we obviously, like, we'll, we'll cuss and we'll, like, mess around with, like, weed, which I think is being, like, the stigma on that's changing a lot. But we actually, I think we're PC on the topics that would get us negative feedback. Like, if... Like, we've had a couple of videos where we've had comments that are, like, a little bigoted, and we're both, like, aggressively against anybody hating anybody. Like, anything, right, yeah. if you're being, like, anti-any human, where we've gone out and talked about it. So the things that I think are important to be politically correct about that actually affects humans' lives, we kind of take control of and make sure that we're, like, a kind of a positive, have a positive impact on that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. other, other food channels don't talk about that stuff. We talk about the comment section, and we'll call people out for being, you know, racist or sexist or whatever. And, you know, obviously living in Chicago and being very conscious of human rights and all that stuff, like, we just don't tolerate it. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, like, we kind of realize we have this shtick, too, where we're going to call you out if you say some shit to us that we don't agree with. You yeah. know what I mean? This is just a YouTube channel that was born out of just me and Corey wanting to kick it and hang out. So why not... Take, maybe have a few less subscribers because we're going to say the F word a few times but we beep that out and we call people out for their crap and we really haven't seen any most people are like on our side they're like yeah I agree completely like you I know think I mean? especially because we yeah I, the stuff that like the, the we quack out all the curse words so there's not like we have families who watch it who just seem fine with it yeah they don't it's really interesting. Like, yeah I would have thought that there'd be more people that were totally. against us but we haven't really had any like anything super negative so far as you know now that's awesome. That's a great answer. Um, what about your your own families? What do your moms think about all this? Obsessed. Oh, love it. Obsessed. <laughs> love it. Literally, 
my mom will call me every day to tell me she watched the newest video. Like, I can talk about, like, weird, like, se- you know, we bring up, like, sexy new windows and stuff. My mom is just so cool. Like, right. my mom's hilarious. My dad's so funny. Like, I just grew up in a family that was always joking around. Mm-hmm. So they just think it's hilarious. And, you know, I've been making videos online for since YouTube was around. So they're used to this, like, ridiculous crap. Yeah. And they just want to see something fun come out of it, you know. They lo- the matter of fact, a lot. Both of our families have both, and a couple friends have commented that they just like the fact that they feel like that they're hanging out with us when we live, you know, two states away. I think my mom loves that. Oh, but she always says like, that. My I just dad feel is, like I get to see you a couple times a week, and I, I it's just better than not. You know? <laughs> I visited my dad in Florida for Christmas, and he was like, I feel like I see you three times a week. Yeah. And I was like, well, I haven't seen you, Dad, so start doing some parenting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you guys started looking into or getting contacted about brand sponsorship on any of your videos, whether it's from the fast food companies directly or somebody else altogether? Yeah, a little bit. Cadoba Cadoba was the big one that reached out directly, their PR firm in uh, California, and they wanted us to make a video for their new primetime nachos, so we did that. And we've just been really honest with our reviews. So, like, if we don't like something and somebody wants to like pay us in gift cards, we're not gonna, yeah, pay, we're not gonna say that it's good if we don't agree. So we gave it like kind of an average score, and we laughed about that because we were like, yeah, they probably didn't promote that a lot because we didn't say five out of five, you know. <laughs> Sean and Corey haven't changed the formula much since their pilot episode. They drive to get fast food, eat the food, discuss its relative merits, and then assign it a rating. They describe their rating system rationale this way. Let's rate it and pick a random thing and hope they don't hate it. Measurements are always out of five, five being the best, and have included increments like cheese blocks, dominoes, Shaquille O'Neal's, and squeaky steak-shaped dog toys. The first perfect score awarded was granted to a KFC chicken little sandwich, which earned five Norm McDonald's heads. But, uh, but I, think, I think it's more important to be honest, I just want to be yes yeah. because someone sends us a gift card. And you know? it was like, we're still small enough. We're like, let's still be ourselves here. Like, yeah. we're not, you know, we don't have like hundreds no, of No one's trying to persuade me with good chunks of money. Yet. No. So who knows? Maybe I'll be giving out five stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm we get, we get emails like to our account all the time about like helping promote, like, it's not even necessarily fast food stuff. It'd be like random products. Like, like you know, box yeah, yeah, Munch Pack will do that. Munch like, any of those companies, but. We have, like, a couple fun things in the works for bigger stuff that we, like, are excited about that we're trying to develop. So we're just kind of think of, like, what the big picture is for the rest of this year, you know? Yeah. And what is the big picture for the next year and the next five years for you guys? I mean, a couple uh, – the next year is we're trying to figure out ways that we can branch out and reach other bubbles. So we're using – we have, like, a bonus video day to try to be able to sway away from doing food reviews – that way we can kind of reach other niches. Like we want to do some video game stuff because people keep asking us like, you guys should play FIFA together. They just want to see us and there's markets out there in the video game markets and saying, yeah, that will hopefully get us subscribers from different niches in the YouTube world. So we're trying to take advantage of that to keep growing, trying to do a lot more collabs with other YouTubers to continue to grow. And then five year plan, I think is mainly just, I mean, we would love, love, love to turn this into some sort of like, TV show. Yeah, I'm mean, just really honestly the bigger medium. Like we're pushing for like a bigger screen, like an, a built-in audience, uh, a sponsor coming along, or a company being like, "Hey, we want to pay you guys a salary to basically do what you do." Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
What about maybe some predictions for the space as a whole? I don't know how closely you guys follow just sort of this evolution of internet star into bigger media. I'm sure you guys are familiar with some of those stories, but where do you see that headed? Not necessarily for you personally, but just as an industry. I know I personally think that that is the future of celebrities and and, and it, because you can build your own thing now so why wait for uh you know an agency or a company to come along and, and scoop you up and try to like then pitch you like you can that's what we're doing we just created our own tv show and i think that any anybody can do that across any like think of these vine stars and snapchat youtubers have been doing it for a decade or more like i just think that it's easy for companies now to swoop in that have the big money and have the influencers and be like, hey, we just want to snag these guys from number six with cheese or we want to snag these vloggers, whatever. It's probably a cheaper deal from them too because they can yeah. probably get us cheaper than they can get somebody established. Yeah, so I mean, me personally, like I put a lot of stock into that. I've been doing that for a long time and um, that's why I don't feel weird not like there's so many comedians in Chicago that feel like they need to be on every stage, every night. They have to get on as many ensembles as they can and like a sketch or an improv group and I just really love creating for the world, like the internet and stuff. So that's why, like, I've kind of roped Corey into being, I'm like, Corey, see, it's fun, right? And he's like, yeah, some of it's fun, but, <laughs> you know, like, there's just way more instant feedback and people can hide behind uh, a username, you know what I mean? But I think that that is the future of entertainment. I really do. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. Have you guys seen that start to affect the way, you know, Second City obviously is seen as a pathway to SNL? Has that started to change a little bit in the digital age? For that, that hasn't changed much. You still need to be like an onstage comic. You need to be. That's so different. Like a lot of those comedians and actors have used web series as just like, hey, look, I can also do this. When they're not like fully in that. The Lonely Island. Everybody seems to come from. Right. I'm. I'm a very big proponent of if you're if you're great, some great things will come along. Like all you have to do is make great content. That could change too because it is all about getting the right person to see you. Yeah. And that's why Second City is so important is those people for the longest time have used that as like the AAA of comedy for at least for like SNL, that that's the place they go to look. But as the internet and streaming evolves, it very easily in the next like 15 years could be like, well, why am I going to see a Second City show when there's so much content on the internet? Yeah. Although it makes it a – Second City is basically a good filter where they're filtering all the comedians in Chicago to say, okay, here's what we got in the improv schedule that's great. Yeah, it's the minor leagues. Where the YouTube, YouTube, it's, there's so much out there, like, how do you filter it? Right. Subscriber count? I don't know. I don't know how it filters what floats to the top. It's a little, you got to dig through a lot more to find the stuff that's going to be really quality, I feel like, a little yeah, bit. I agree. But it could change. Right. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of noise out there. It can be difficult to kind of get your content to rise above all of just the right. other stuff that's blocking people's eyes and ears. So, yeah, I, I understand yeah. that challenge for sure. What do you wish that you knew when you started that you know now, whether related to comedy or content creation or anything in between? That's a good question. I'll go first. I know mine. Um, I cared way too much about the right path. I thought that you, like, you move to Chicago and you, and you do the Second City Conservatory and you get on an improv team and, like, and then you – you like well, all these little things and the thing that I'm realizing I'm you know we're both 30 years old now I've just completely gone away from feeling like there's a right path for what you're doing like I'm just completely focused especially this year doing things like for me stuff that I think is funny stuff that I think is fun don't like 
that's the tough thing is that when you're growing up, all you ever hear is pay your dues, pay your dues, pay your dues, and good things will happen. And what I took that to mean was you got to do a lot of things in comedy that you don't like to get where you want. And I just don't think that's true anymore because, like we talked about, because you can create your own path, you don't need to think like that anymore. So that would be my biggest thing is, like, don't worry about that stuff. Just do what you love. Yeah. Um, I think for me, how do I phrase this? Reach out to people is like more or less. I was always afraid of anybody who I was impressed by, like comedically, like reaching out to them with an idea to work with them. And the more that I do that, the more successful things I I find myself doing because a lot of people are more than willing to be like, yeah, sure, let's work on that together. And then when they have items down the line, they're a lot more likely to reach out and work with you on something. I mean, that almost ties in perfectly with the example of me pitching. I mean, I didn't really know Sean when I pitched to him, like, hey, we should do this MTV video thing together. I found this audition. We should do it. And, you know, a few months later when he's looking to do some videotaping and sketch stuff, he comes to me and it's like, hey, let's, you want to do some of this stuff? And now we're working together all the time. And I don't know if that would have necessarily happened if I wouldn't have reached out to him first. And that's been like a pretty good lesson. Like, just reach out to people. Send them a Facebook message. Who cares? Yeah. I think the online perception a lot of the time is like, oh, they're probably busy. And they yeah, I don't like, embarrassed. Every, everyone's, a per, everyone's sitting, like comedians especially, sit there and go, all right. Like, you, got, to you got a lot of hours in the day. Like, you're trying to always fill those with, like, how can I get better and better? And so, yeah, that does tie together really well. So, last question here for you before I let you go. Um, I'm going to make both of you guys answer this question. Uh, what is the dumbest thing that you've ever done for a laugh? Oh, oh my no. God. You know yours? Yeah, when I was in the military, I ate a dirty dish rag for time. Oh <laughs> like, like that we used to clear clean a beer pong table for like a year and a half. Never washed. Just disturbingly gross. But I'm one of those guys, especially when I was younger, would do anything to make people laugh. Oh, me too. So um, I, I got to ask how... When you eat a dirty dish towel, did you cut it up into little bites yeah, or did you just... Yeah, too. Which is so much more shameful because that means that I had to put, like, effort and time. What did it take me? Like, probably 15 minutes? Like, the thoughts going through your head as you're cutting each square. You're like, why am I doing this? No, my thoughts all the time are, look at them laugh. (laughs) Look at them laugh. They love me. They love me. (laughs) Fill that hole in my soul. Do it. (laughs) Um, Mine, ironically enough, has to do with food. Um, When I was in college, I was obsessed with, like, overeating for people's enjoyment because... Like, I just, for some reason, have, like, a bottomless stomach. And I, at Michigan State University, there's a place called Mena's Dubs. It's like, these little grilled burritos. And I told my friends that I could eat five of them in, I think, like, 15 minutes or something. And so the whole, and they're humongous. And I ate, like, four and a half. And everyone just watching me, like, in pain and, like, be disgusted. And people are clapping. It was like an episode of Man vs. Food at the end when Adam Richmond's like, everyone's like, yeah, Adam, you can do it. (laughs) That's, like, what my life was. But I didn't get paid anything. It was just like I did it for the laughs. Um, So that's funny. I never thought about that. So it's now, like, that's a total food thing. That's amazing. I was thinking uh, Matilda, the scene with the the trunch bowl where he has to eat the entire chocolate cake. Yeah, that's that's my life. (laughs) That is you guys. Um, those are uh, both really good answers and um, really enjoyed talking to you guys. All of that was uh, very entertaining as expected. So I appreciate you guys taking the time. Yeah, awesome. hell yeah. Yes, thanks for having us. Yeah, that's so much fun, man. Absolutely. Really cool. yeah. All right, take care, fellas. Yeah, have a good one. See you. All right.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Social Humans. Our guests again today were Corey and Sean, and you can find them on YouTube as Number Six with Cheese.